0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan for Friday, the 2nd of February, 2024. Today, we're recording this on St. Bridget's Day, 1st of February. And uh, it's been quite a busy week for news, Sarah. Um, there's been a lot on, a lot we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about, obviously, last weekend's big opinion poll uh, which showed Sinn Féin in trouble. We'll be talking about some of the criminal uh, situation cases in the, in the courts that have been jumping up this week. Uh, we'll be talking about the ongoing events of RTE. But first, Sarah, I want to break, even before you talk, some big news which was that you got an award last week for your participation in last week's episode.
1: My first one.
0: Yeah, and I want to thank uh, somebody calling themselves Doll Fox, um, which I presume is a pseudonym because that would be a strange thing to christen your child, sent us into the office um, a little Barbie doll uh, which they said was an award for you for your outstanding performance on last week's podcast which drew a lot of favorable response from the public. Uh, I thought people would be scared off, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but no, instead, uh, we're getting stuff like, well said, Sarah, you need your own show on Talk. talk. Uh, that's from Dermot Coyne. We have um, I Love You, Sarah Ryan from somebody called Lum. We have S- Sarah No Joke Speaks So Much Sense from Goodfellas 5702. And then there was somebody Who said, yeah, Sarah is getting better each week. Sorry, John, but Sarah is the reason I tune in. I wish Sarah was in politics. Well, fine. Well, fine. You take it away.
1: Hmm? That's nice, isn't it? I'm particularly pleased with my Barbie.
0: Yeah, it's great. I might
1: might give it to my daughter and be like, I've got some harsh news for you. Even if you play Barbie in the sequel, you still won't be deserving an Oscar. Tough shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, to be clear, Sarah has not actually formally received her her award yet because it hasn't (laughs) been, uh, she hasn't come into the office to pick it up, Um, but uh, she will be getting it. Uh, So thank you so much for sending that in. It was really touching and funny and an interesting thought. Sarah, before we get into the topics of the week, um, how are you and uh, how are are things in the world of Sarah Ryan?
1: Good, yeah, can't complain. I am, I, uh, I'm just like glad January is over. It felt very long, and the weather was crappy. And I am, um, even though I actually am not one of those people who really, really, really hates January. I am ready for a bit of bit of an uptick in the weather. What do you think?
0: Yeah, you see, this is the thing. This is the thing. We're going to hit. We're going to hit now. My favorite season of the year. Well, my least favorite season of the year, which is fall spring, because everyone thinks, oh, January's over. The weather is going to get so much better. No. It's not. You're going to hit fall, spring. Fall, spring is where at the start of February it gets a little bit brighter, stops raining as much and you think, oh, spring is here, it's wonderful. And then the end of February and March comes and that's the worst time of the year because uh, it every, everywhere is cold, it's flooded, yeah. the ground is mucky, yeah. it's horrible, which is the other Irish season of second winter. Uh, yeah. And then real spring comes in June. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm i going to enjoy the relatively mild weather we've had for the last couple of days uh, and then prepare myself for the worst
1: Yeah, my abiding memory of like being in college and stuff like that is kind of around early February kind of going, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of done with this coat and stuff now. It's spring and then just being freezing for like February and March and April. Like St. Patrick's Day. My memory of St. Patrick's Day as a kid is that it's freezing.
0: Yeah, and and usually wet and horrible. Anyway, we we won't depress people too much with that when there's so much else happening to depress them with. Um, I want to talk uh, this week because you got your rant in last week. I want to talk this week about somebody called Christine Ward and somebody else called Derek Bewley. Have you heard of these people? Uh,
1: I don't think so.
0: Christine Ward is 36 uh, years old when in 2018 she broke into a pensioner's house in Dublin. Wow. And uh, basically she had gone to this particular pensioner's house a couple of times before asking for money and help and support because she was a a, a a mother and all the rest of it and she claimed that she was ill. Uh, on this particular day, which I think was the 2nd of November, 18, she knocked on the front door. She told the pensioner that her cancer had come back, even though she'd never had cancer. And uh, she needed some money, which he offered to give to her out of the goodness of his heart. Um, she then barged in the door with her accomplice, a man called Derek Bewley. Um, they hit him on the side of the head with a hammer. He's 79 years of age, as I said. They um, broke his hearing aid. They tortured him for the location of the money in his house. They stabbed him in the hands repeatedly to the extent that when all was said and done, he had to have the whole lower end of his house redecorated to get rid of the blood, Sarah. And um, then they they left him and they made off with 600 euros in cash. Uh, they were sentenced this week. Christine Ward um, was sentenced. Derek Bewley hasn't been sentenced yet. She got eight years in prison with um, the final 10 years, actually, the final year and a half suspended. That's actually a fair sentence. I have no problem with that sentence. Um. What I'm angry about is that between Miss Ward and Mr. Bewley, the assailants that day, this was their 105th conviction. They had 104 previous convictions between them. She was 36 years of age. And I just want to know, I, what I really want to know is why is somebody like that on the streets when we have a justice system, the purpose of which we are told is to keep the public safe? So that's where I wanted to start. I mean, there are other cases as well I could mention.
1: Um, Stephen. you. Uh, From, I, yeah.
0: You know, you you talk first before I mention some
1: others. Like I I I agree with you to a point, but I think that the way in which like previous convictions are reported and kind of the numbers can sound more staggering. But if you're you would be surprised at how a hundred and I, I know what you're going to say, but I'm just like playing dev, Let me play devil's advocate here for a minute. Um, you'd be surprised how fast 104 convictions can like rack up if you've been, you know. Like 104 convictions might include, you know, failure to present for a bench warrant might pres- include, you know, having possession of a small amount of cannabis that might include lots of small things. You know, it, like it doesn't automatically mean the 104 violent acts such as the one that was done. Do you follow? Do. And you could pick up a number of a number of convictions for one event. Like um, you know, failure, like failure, some kind of altercation where you get arrested or you, you know, what's the term um, brain, um, you know, you're you're not listening to a guard, you're um, resisting arrest. Sorry, resisting arrest. Like things like that can rack up convictions. You might have one event where you go on a mad one one day, and you know, you might have eight or nine convictions for the one day. You know what I mean? I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that. You'd be surprised how fast these kind of those those numbers can 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 rack up.
0: Yeah, but I have no previous convictions. Yeah. How, how many do you have? None. No. no. See, and and we're older than this lady. And look, I appreciate, <clears throat> I appreciate what you're saying, and there's truth. it
1: would have been funny, right, at that moment, if you'd said, "How many do you have?" And I was like, "Well, this is really the time." But actually, <laughs> I have eight.
0: <laughs> I was I was confident. I was confident yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I I I I, I get that. But at the same time, you don't rack up 104 without, you know, purely unresisting arrest or, or not showing up for bench warrants, because like bench warrants is only issued if you're to be in court for something else. Um, yeah, no,
1: absolutely. But all I'm saying is that one event. So then you get a then there's a then you fail you you, you fail to present yourself in court. Then there's a bench warrant, and the entire bad day out can turn out to be like 12 things. Do you know what I mean? Um, but let me
0: give you another example. Because let me talk to you about somebody with no previous convictions. Stephen Hi. Russell. Stephen Russell. Stephen Russell is 47 years of age. He's a businessman um, from, I think, County Meath. He was in front of Judge Martin Nolan uh, last week. I think it was the 25th of January. And what Stephen Russell did on a particular afternoon was he, uh, he summoned a 10-year-old girl over to his car and rolled down the window where he had his penis out of his pants and was um, masturbating himself and asked the young girl if she liked it. Uh, The child was traumatized, ran away, there was some panic. Mr. Russell was arrested and pleaded guilty. Um, Judge Martin Nolan decided that um, in sentencing, him, he said that, you know, this is obviously a first offense, and that Stephen Russell was, quote, a family man with responsibilities who was, quote, under a lot of stress at the time. Um, Now, one might observe that many of us there, including me, occasionally endure a lot of stress without inflicting that sort of thing on children. Nevertheless, Mr. Russell got a fully suspended sentence and was not sentenced to any prison time at all. What do you think of that one?
1: Obviously, I mean, first of all, I hate the inference that, like, you're, you know, you obviously have a sexual attraction to a child. So that's, your sexual orientation doesn't change with stress. No, it doesn't. So, like, I've been, I've had some pretty stressful moments, like, in my life as a 40 year old woman and I've never, for example, looked across at a dog and went, Oh, I suddenly find that dog super sexy because whatever, I'm just trying to think of something like, but do you know what I mean? Like there's no, you, you didn't become, you didn't find a little girl attractive all of a sudden because you're stressed out. So that's a bullshit statement to be making in the first place. Like stress can be used as an excuse for somebody who got steaming drunk one afternoon and made a bit of a show of themselves in the local pub and caused a bit of a kerfuffle with the police when they came to take them away. Yeah, I could I could go a long way on accepting stress as something like that. But you don't suddenly sit there, you know, like with your trousers around your ankles, whatever is going on there, and 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 suddenly want a child to get involved in it because you're stressed. I find that to be an absurd excuse
0: yeah um i find it extraordinary because i mean to me <clears throat> if you commit that kind of offense it's yeah. a compu- it's a compulsive offense yeah yeah it's 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 and and it's based clearly as you rightly point out off some kind of sexual thrill directed at that young child yeah. and i think you are a danger to the public and should not be on the streets
1: well it's the same pr- and obviously I'm not making any suggestion of um, particular set of circumstances but in general it's the same principle as why you know police I remember being a kid and and um, you know the way you'd hear these stories about men in parks with trench coats on flashers basically and you know that it was you know you were people reporting it to the police or whatever and I can remember being a, an innocent kind of like kid hearing this and being like Why would the police care about that? You know what I mean? Like, he's obviously just a weirdo, but like no harm. But part of the reason why the police care very much about that, apart from the fact that it's violating for the person who experiences it, fine, and I was just too young to kind of understand that. But also because there's, you know, evidence to suggest, strong evidence to suggest that people who do that don't do that forever, that they eventually, the thrill wears off, and there's a kind of a next thing and the next thing and the next thing because it's a compulsive behaviour.
0: Yeah, it, it, it can escalate. And that's not to say it will in this case, and let's hope for the sake of Irish society that Judge Nolan is right and this was a once-off. But even at that, uh, this is an a punishment element to the criminal justice system. Like I think, and I think, and I think I'm in the majority of the public in believing that somebody who does something like that to a child should spend some time in prison, because um, there needs to be a deterrent effect. Because these, and this isn't the first. Like all the way back in 2015, there was a man. Um, who was in front of the same judge, and I don't want to pick on that particular judge, because he by no means on his own, but there was a man who 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 invited a 15-year-old girl into his white van and exposed himself and also walked away with a suspended sentence. So it's a consistent, I mean, the the, the policy of the courts here is that that kind of offence doesn't get you judged. Well, there's a,
1: there's a limit to what a, a sentence a judge can impose. You know what I mean? There's there, there,
0: parameters. There, there, there is, but you know, he's, he's, it's, it's not as if there's somewhere in legislation saying that this is not a jail offence. I think, I think there's a maximum sentence of two and a half years or something for it. But I, 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 I haven't got the legislation in front of me. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But it's It's not as if the judges are mandated if you suspend the sentence. But let's come so let's come back to somebody with previous conviction because there was another one. This is the last week, Sarah. Uh, there's a 52-year-old grandfather by the name of Jason Kennedy. Now, now, when you hear grandfather, you probably think kindly old chap. But, <laughs> um, no, uh, Mr. Kennedy, not so kindly. He was out on a date with a woman. Uh, he met her once or twice. Um, there was an argument, apparently, which resulted in him stealing her car. But before he steal- stole her car, he um, battered her about the head and left her on the on the ground, uh, assaulted her. He then drove the car away, 300 metres up the road, crashed the car. Um, the guard arrived on the scene, he then, this might be a good example of what you're talking about, by the way, in terms of racking up convictions on the one day, Mr. Kennedy had quite a day. Um, the guardy then oh, arrived on the I scene.
1: Say, no, say nothing, I'm sorry, but like say nothing for the, you know, the date sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> it
0: doesn't sound like the greatest date that poor lady yeah. ever
1: had. Yeah, imagine the next day her friends, like how did the date go? Well, I've no car, starters, <laughs> and I got the head boxed <laughs> off me, box, so not great. Yeah.
0: Anyway, he then the two guards arrived to arrest him, and he he assaulted the two of them and broke one of their hands before being subdued. Mr. Kennedy arrived into court to be sentenced uh, in front of again Judge Nolan, um, and uh, he got uh, just over five years. But this was his one hundred and first conviction, and my favourite bit was that Judge Nolan apparently asked him. He said, "When are you going to learn, Mr. Kennedy?" Um, And the answer
1: being, "The answer being not today."
0: Not today, but also maybe that question could have been asked after, I don't know, the 25th conviction. Um, Because it just seems to me that a lot of this sense, that the number of people, uh, do you remember the case of the women, sorry, the the young woman who was raped in a car uh, on a Dublin beach by three very young, very young offenders, like they had only just reached the age of majority, to the extent that they weren't even named one of them had like 174 convictions or something. And I'm just asking myself here, Sarah, what kind of society do we live in where we've got people with all these convictions wandering the streets free to commit crimes? Uh, that that was all, all those cases I mentioned were in the last two weeks. It's not as if this is, I'm, I'm cherry picking. This is just in the last two weeks in the courts.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, so there's, I mean, like not to speak, just to speak in general, like there is, you know, sometimes people have, that man is, what, seven, did you say 70 something years of age? Like sometimes people have a huge amount of convictions, but they haven't had any for thirty years. Sometimes, no, no,
0: no. no. He was fifty-two. Oh, the, sorry. The the, the, the guy who's in his seventies was the victim of the first two. Um, he was the guy who was stabbed. He was seventy-nine. The
1: 52 year old was a grandfather. Is that the one that was a grandfather?
0: Fifty-two-year-old grandfather. I'm just saying, when you hear grandfather, you sometimes think kindly old chap. But no, this guy's fifty-two. He's grandfather with a hundred now, at least hundred and one convictions, and presumably he's got multiple more convictions.
1: Um. You know, like there will be a barrister, like so sometimes what you'll see, what you will see is somebody who has done a crime. Like, let's go back to your original one, Christine Ward, right? Let's say, and she'll have a barrister who will have gone in and in between the events happening and then her um, sentencing and, you know, conviction and sentencing, she might have undergone a drug rehabilitation program. Her barrister will be signing up and giving a, a plea. Um, to mitigate her sentence on behalf of like the fact that she might have done, like I said, a drug rehabilitation program, she might have children, she might have circumstances. Like sometimes it's not as clear. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, like, sometimes there is other factors. But, you know, I I think that there are certain crimes, particularly, you know, um, ones of sexual nature that need the, the sentencing parameters to be widened, like for sure. And you can't blame Judge Nolan if Judge Nolan is given a maximum sentencing of between, you know, like whether it's a summary or indictment or whatever it is, on of like up to two and a half years maximum of up to two and a half years and then complain when he gives two years and two months. It's not like,
0: no, I, I he accept can't. That. fully accept that. Fully accept that. Um, and I, but, and but I think
1: I... Judge Nolan gets a lot of heat because the nature of the court that he sits in is that a lot of these cases end up in front of him. But he's only able to sentence within the
0: sentencing parameters. He is, but he gives a lot of suspended sentences for things that things that that don't necessarily require suspended sentences, um, like indecent exposure being being an example. I, and I, I'm not even—I don't want to make this about Judge Nolan because I don't think ultimately this is about the judges. I think it's about the political system. The fact we haven't built any new prisons in twenty years. I think it's about a justice minister. Who uh, uh, not just her, because she's the latest in a long string of Gael Justice Ministries, who have been content with the, to let this kind of situation evolve. Because I have sat in those courts. Because it, every now and again, I mean, I think about three times in my life, I've like had a because I have changed addresses a lot, and now I sound like a defendant, but I changed addresses a lot in this of in between the ages of about twenty-five and thirty-five, right? And uh, and every now and again, I had sounds like
1: you're on the wrong
0: yeah, it does. But anyway, I think twice I was in 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 the in the in the, in the district court of the circuit court trying to explain to a judge why I hadn't paid a speeding fine because I hadn't got the thing, the uh, the notification and paid the fine, took the points, nothing, nothing like that. But you you go there and you watch the list, and it's exactly what you say. It is uh, my client has sixty previous convictions, but he's got three kids and he's a good family man. The the family needs his income and all the rest. Of it. But what always strikes me is that inside the Irish criminal justice system, the criminals are almost treated like the victims. Mm -hmm. There's a sense that there's a sense that, you know, society has wronged this poor gentleman. And that's the only reason why he's why he's, you know, uh, breaking a guard's hand or stealing his girlfriend's car. Or um, in the case of Nathan Kirby, another man this week, uh, punching a 76 year old man in the streets. Um, You like th- there's no sense here that society needs to be protected from the criminals, but there's a huge sense that kind of society needs to do do right by the criminal. You know, but don't punish him because you know it's not fair on other people. I-, I just think it's all backwards.
1: Yeah, and I think, but I also think that, like, you know, there's a there's a there's a real there's an interesting um, guy, American kind of business philosopher, and he he always. I worked with him at one point in my career, and he he looks at businesses and lots of things as every everything really as a series of conversations. And that where problems arise, and I'm paraphrasing this very very badly, but that where pro- problems arise is usually as a result of people being in the wrong conversation. And it strikes me that we have a government that are in the complete wrong wrong conversation, as you're pointing out, when it comes to. Law and order. Fine Gael are supposedly the law and order party, but I always get the distinct impression when it comes to these kind of conversations that they're really not interested in, um, like in having any kind of reform of 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 um law and order in ireland about sen- of sentencing of prisons unless it's something that is driven specifically by a certain agenda like i was now i noticed this week that there was a lot of outrage for example about the fact that holly kearns had to close her constituency office because of um effectively a stalker which would, you- would that be the right word
0: i think that i think that is that's a fair description of the situation right. i think there was one person i, I don't know if the I don't know if anyone. I I can't remember off my head if anyone was ever arrested for it, but definitely she had a she had a creepy thing going on there. Yeah, and
1: really and, and and outrageous. and people and people being outraged about the fact that that had happened, and I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. And I think that that is outrageous. And if she had to close her office because of that reason, like that is completely absurd. But what I what I noticed was the level of outrage and the 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 kind of that that's the kind of thing that would really fast and really quickly drive some kind of reform in law. Let's just pretend on stalking or something because that's driving a certain agenda or that's, you know, addressing something that's become... And I'm not saying that it's only because it's affecting politicians themselves personally. I'm saying that, you know, there are things that are kind of that look good because they make us look good. And if so, we'll do that. But then there's things with, to do with law and order that are huge problems that have been problems for a long, long time. And we don't like the optics of it, so we'll ignore it, like building bigger prisons. Like, crowding in prisons is a big issue. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like, th- th- there's a problem there. But nobody ever wants to grasp that nettle because they don't like the idea of what it might make them look like. It's almost like this, it, makes, it makes them look like they're, you know, it's defeatist to build bigger prisons and surely if we keep surely if we keep investing loads and loads of money into local areas and if we keep you know building uh sports fields people will just stop going to prison but the reality of it is is population is growing we need bigger prisons that's it and nobody wants to do that so i think that the government for a long time has been in the complete wrong conversation about law and order and it's about they think it's about you know the the uh, you know this the story of a person who's committed the crime, and they've forgotten that ultimately, you know, the 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 the, the conversation that's happening is that it, the, the 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 person I should be worried about is Joe Public. Do you know what I mean? That we're the ones, we're the people like that pay the pay all the money. You know what I mean? Like we're the people who invest all of our, our whatever. Uh, the biggest single payment that we make every month is to the state. Do you know what I mean? We're like, we're we're the ones who are paying for this and they've forgotten all about us and it's about the victims. They think the victim is the person who's carrying out the crime, but they don't, they forget that it's not. And it's all orientated in the wrong direction. It's all the wrong conversation. And I think that, you know, the, the problem is that it never, it's like a lot of things, like it never becomes that big of an election issue because people have bigger fish to fry. But it's slowly, 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 particularly for Fina Gale. Like basically chipping away at their base because I think the type of people who are loyal Fianagal voters are just getting a bit peed off with with the lack of progress or any progress yeah. whatsoever. I, I, not even progress, actually. We're 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 we're, we're going backwards. Yeah,
0: I mean, exactly what you were talking about there in terms of the. And I'll just say what they are: trendy causes, cases. And you know, that is not to diminish at all what happened to Holly Kearns, which is an awful crime, but it's also a trendy cause. Like a couple of years ago, um, I think about a year and a half ago, do you remember we had this huge push for new laws around um, revenge porn. Because it was yeah. a little campaign group. And I think I think one of the things that's now illegal is to repost somebody's pictures of themselves that they post on on OnlyFans, which is a paid site where women post pictures of themselves. And gentlemen pay, or possibly some ladies pay, I don't know. Um, <laughs>
1: That's all fa- like, but that's fine. Yeah,
0: there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. That should be a crime. It should be a but crime. There's
1: also, but there's also like, like obviously I presume state funded um, ads on the radio explaining how, you know, if you like, you know, about how to, how, what re- revenge porn is and how if you th- even threaten it, you know, you can be prosecuted and what like a huge amount of time and money has gone into that. And I'm not saying that that's not a good idea. But it's like you say; it's because it's trendy. What's not trendy is the poor old seventy-something-year-old du- dude in his house getting his hands bashed up and his the head knocked off him for money by two people. Yeah, that's not really that trendy.
0: There's no trendy. ads on the there's no ads on the radio telling you not to bash people over the heads with hammers. You know, yeah. I, 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 and 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 yet that's a that's a much bigger issue. In society, kind of casual assaults and stabbings and knifings and what have you, is is becoming a growing issue in society. But we are all focused on, you know, whether two people on a drunken night out have fully signed a consent contract. And uh, you know, I I I, it's, I just think it's a it's a symptom of this government's kind of warped priorities, put it that way.
1: Yeah. And I think it's I think that Phoenix in particular will get that will get that message from their voter base because I think their voter race has traditionally been the one who's the most concerned with law and order. But I think that there's reform needed across multiple areas there. And like I said, I just don't think that anybody who is is willing to grasp the nettle on things that aren't, you know, a massive virtue signal for their whatever ideological cause they're trying to push.
0: Anyway, um, we'll move on. Uh, before we do, I just want to say uh, on this show that I was fairly shocked today to hear about the death, Sarah, of Lisa Murphy who most, most listeners probably won't have a clue who she was. Um, You may know her. She was a, she was a model and a reality TV star who was probably best known for being the long-term girlfriend of celebrity celebrity Gerald Keane for a long time. Uh, but she died very young. She was only 51 after a short illness. And uh, I have to say I was taken aback because she was a person, I met her only five or six times, Um, but somebody who just, I, I remember one particular occasion, and I won't go into the details, Um. When she had no cause to be, to know me, to be particularly kind, she went out of her way to make a huge difference in something that I was doing. She was a very, very kind person. And I think everyone who knew her um, would have said the same thing. And it's very sad to me if that dies very young. So just um, condolences to her family and to, indeed, to Dr. Keane and to everybody. Um, you never met her, did you?
1: Um, I think I met her once really briefly, but I it's weird because she popped into my head a while ago and I was looking up, you know, on social media, I was wondering what, where she'd gone to. and um, but she always seemed like a lovely person. And, and, uh, you know, I was in TV three for years and used to do the Elaine Show or midday at one point for seven years. And, um, you know, I came across her, and and a lot of people that I knew knew her, so we had a lot of friends in common. And I've never, ever, ever heard anybody say anything but that she was a particularly lovely person.
0: Yeah, and that 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 is that is you, you know why it it actually strikes you more sometimes when you only meet a person once or twice, if they're incredibly nice and they they yeah. go incredibly, like then yeah, just um, just very sad. Anyway, we wanted to talk about something. We talked about crime. Um, you had your eye caught by a particular kind of new study that came out. Was it in the US, the study about men uh, and women?
1: No, oh, it's, across, it's across different countries, actually. Somebody tweeted this to us, as far as I know. Um, and it's so interesting. So basically, the gist is in the Financial Times. Uh, and the headline is, A New Global Gender Divide is Emerging. And it's basically about how... Um. And it goes through different countries, I'll get to that in a minute, but that traditionally over you know the last hundred years or whatever, each generation the the kind of the 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 views and the positioning of of the sexes was usually the same. So if you were let's just make it up, if in the 80s in America it was kind of like 50, 60 percent conservative, 40 percent liberal, that usually split down the middle of men and women. And the article is talking about how now young men and women's worldviews are kind of pulling apart and how men are becoming more conservative and women are becoming more liberal and the potential kind of um, impact that will have long-term. And it's so interesting. So if you think about it, like if you, if you, if you start to conceptualize that men are becoming more conservative than women, well then, so basically the women, the people of the same age, no longer see eye to eye on, on key issues. So then the impacts that has on dating, on marriages, on the workplace is huge. So um, the article talks about in the US that Gallup data show it's showing that, well, the sexes were usually equally liberal and conservative um, equally. um, Women age 18 to 30 are now 30 percent more, 30 percentage points more liberal than their male contemporaries. And that, that gap opened up just over a six year period. So if you play that out, it's really, really interesting. Like if you think about it, like you're you're conservative, right? You've always been a conservative since college, would that would that mm. be right? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, from before probably, but yeah. Yeah. And so but when you were growing up as a conservative, you were in were you in the? What would you say? Were you fifty fifty? I. I mean, I, I. would say I was conservative. No, I was kind of conservative leaning, but like I think that the more liberal views were certainly more vocal. But there was always conservatives there.
0: Well, I was in I was in Trinity College Dublin. Of all places, so so as a conservative, you're outnumbered there, both by men and by women. So so it, it wasn't that. that. That I don't really have a frame, except that yeah, I, I I've always felt a little bit in 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 a minority. But I think that's not the point. I think the point is that you know when I was young and 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 dating in inverted commas, almost all of my girlfriends in college, and then I didn't have a girlfriend for a long time in my my twenties. Um, but anyone I was kind of casually dating, um, women were always more liberal women. But the thing was, they were always open to a relationship with somebody who disagreed with them. And when I talk to young men now, and when I look at the the sort of the studies on this, including the one you're mentioning, the issue is not so much the political polarization; it's the unwillingness, in particular, of liberal women to date people who disagree with them. That's the issue. Um, so, so apparently, this is a huge issue now on on Amer- American dating sites, in particular, where women are put down that their husband or the man they're dating, that they're looking for a six feet tall, good income, you know, kind and all the rest of it, but don't want to date a Trump voter, for example, Um, which is a big red line to draw, I think.
1: Well, I'm actually going to go a bit further than that and take the risk of getting annihilated by my sisters. Um, I've seen... I I think that there's a, I've seen a lot of stuff on TikTok lately that this this trend of videos where they're talking to women about um, you know exactly what you just said. Like what their what their no, you know what their red line issues are. What they were, well, and they they give out this kind of list, right? Of you know, well, I wouldn't date a man who is less than let's. I'm going to make it up six less than six foot. Um, has to earn this amount of money. Has to be this. Has to be that. And I'd like him to go to the gym. And I'd like this. And I'd like that. And it's just a bit like, well, a it's nonsense. But second of all. Very often the women, because some of these are videos, are, to put it politely, not gym goers themselves and um, not like not necessarily big earners, like they'll be talking about what they do afterwards, like not earners, whatever. And I think that like the level of kind of entitlement and arrogance is kind of astounding. like that you think that you should you have a long list of people like I mean, there's a really, really interesting um uh, relationship um, expert and um, she's French God her name has gone out of my head now and um, she does these videos um, and she does a podcast called Estelle Perez is her name and um, she does a podcast called Where Shall We Begin which got really popular and it's about marriage counselling and the people who are being recorded they're one-off episodes about different issues within marriage and relationships and they're very interesting and she's a series of TED talks about divorce and affairs and relationships and it's very like she's really interesting and Anybody who's interested in that kind of thing should definitely give it a listen. But she um, has a TED talk. I'm pretty sure it was her a talk. Well, it might have been someone else, but anyway, the point is that like the best the line I always took away from it was the best time to do to work on your marriage is before you're in one. And the idea that you will be rolling out a, li- a long list of things that men have to be and can't think and can't do and whatever, without clearly having any done any work on yourself, is a symptom of a disease. If you ask me, of 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 entitlement, obliviousness, and uh, I mean brattish behavior. I mean, who are who do you think you are to say that you're only interested in men who have earned a certain amount of money, are a certain height, do this, do that, and don't have these views? Why don't you do a bit of work on yourself? It's what? just so unattractive and when I think when I look at those videos because this this is a this is a a series of videos like I've seen loads of them and when I look at those videos of these women and I think about not like I mean my son I have two sons fine they're children they're five and seven so this is a long way off with them but I think about men I grew up with brother cousins you know lots of men that I know are really nice and you know whatever and I think like it just kind of annoys me on their behalf, like. Do you know what I mean? Like guys who worked really hard and guys who, you know, uh, like, you know, I don't know, might not have been tall, might not have been this. And for them to be just and I've noticed it like it's become really OK in the last kind of particularly in the last 10 years. You and I discussed this, I think, at one point, um, not on the podcast, maybe, but there was a Love Island a few years ago where all of the girls were just slating this guy who was in Love Island because he wasn't tall. And it was like, and I just remember thinking there's no way there would be literally an expulsion from the Love Island house or whatever it is. If a guy made a comment about how he wasn't interested in a woman because she was too chubby or her ankles or her this or her that, it would be unfair heard of but it's okay to say I wouldn't be with a guy who's short that guy's too he doesn't go to the gym enough he's not earning enough like geez, like like I've said on this like like shout out for the hard working guys just go out and do hard boring physical jobs like they've all just been tossed on the bonfire of woke madness and it's just like then you have this frankly a lot of the time not very attractive, not gym going chubby girl who thinks that she's got a right to slate all these guys as not being good enough for her because they're not earning enough. Like, like talk about get a grip of yourself about Barbie. Get a grip of your own reality, love. But do you not
0: think they're they're, they're doing themselves more harm than anything else? Because uh, I I'm fascinated. I say I'm fast. I could talk about about sort of gender wars stuff all day because I I'm fascinated by it. Like these women are, are ultimately damaging their own prospects for the simple reason that. I mean, so the the, the the there was an article in um, I think it was the Atlantic, but it could have been the New Yorker. But it was it was about a month or so ago, about this whole six six six, which is you know six feet tall, six figure income, and um, depending on what hour of the day it is, the third one is either possesses it of a six pack or possesses six inches in a particular part of their anatomy. Um, but you know, it's basically uh. this this sort of the six 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 rule, and I'm thinking there, you know. There there are there are a limited number of men in the world who fit those criteria. And those men presumably are doing very well for themselves in the dating marketplace in places like New York and London and, and possibly South Dublin. I don't know. But they're they're doing very well for themselves in the marketplace. Um so well that they probably don't have to worry about settling for a woman. You know, they can they can pick any one of six on a given night of the week on their phone on Tinder or Bumble or any of those things. But those those men um then have their literal pick of the the gazillions of women who believe this stuff. Whereas if you are one of the poor unfortunate women that you mentioned, who maybe wouldn't be one of those men's first choice and you you cut you, you basically Condemning yourself to a life of spinsterhood. So that's what But
1: it's also part of that. It but it's sorry, great are we, because are
0: we allowed to say spinsters anymore? I didn't I I I I didn't mean it in a mean way, just in case anyone picks it up. But
1: but it fits it but it fits into the victim complex because then it's like you know, oh well, like it's reinforcing your your nonsense that like you know, the, the men are shallow and nobody wants you whatever. Like, no, you're being horrible about men. Like how how much of that kind of like snide like put down are men supposed to take before they're just like not interested in you
0: yeah, but uh, this is all giving rise to, to another thing too which is this opening gulf on the male side of the aisle between you know the men who sort of fit the bill then a the sort of middle group of men who kind of like you know do okay but probably because they're trying to date sensible women but then there's this this rise of of what's called incel culture which is is men who describe themselves as involuntarily celibate, i.e. they they can't find women to um, partner with, and as a result are getting very angry at the world and forming their own little political movement and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, and it's, it's contributing to a degree of right-wing radicalization amongst particular men and sort of the rise of anti-feminism. It's so toxic. It's all so Do you
1: think that that's opposite. why men are becoming so are, are becoming more conservative?
0: I, I think it's it's all part of the polarization process. I also think that's why women are becoming more left wing and feminist and, and and progressive. It's driving. It, it's an equal and opposite reaction. But yeah, I, I, if you if you want to ask what's driving it, I think it's dating apps. I absolutely think it's dating apps. I think but I
1: think it's also interesting because like certain things come full circle, and like <laughs> it's like if you're if you're top three things about men are how much they earn then you're not a feminist because if you actually had your own money you wouldn't give a shit
0: but do you not think it is inherently normal that women are more picky in the dating market than men if you just go back to the to the basic genetic theory here of, of sort of the, the the male thinking of us not as thinking of us not as sort of like sacred divine beings thinking of us purely as mammals the male objective is obviously to spread his genetic material as far and wide within society as possible. So in in that, you know, you're you're going to be picky to an extent, but not wholly picky. Whereas a woman um, can only um, reproduce less times in her lifetime than a man theoretically can. So she's going to be more picky about like uh, what his body is like, what his income is like, what his intelligence is like and all the rest of it. That's a normal thing. And I think that's always been the case. But what dating apps are doing is turbocharging that reverse pickiness so you've got some guy sitting i think it's swipe. i've I, hand on heart i've never been a dating out in my life and never will be hopefully um but I, I believe you swipe so you can imagine men are going to swipe at a much higher rate than women because they're 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 less picky once somebody hits like four out of seven criteria you might say yeah i'll well,
1: take okay, men guess. are more more men are more shallow about physical appearance than women within, a, wi-
0: within, within a wider range yes I mean, like, well, if it's my, just for
1: a one-night thing, they would just swipe it, like for everyone, kind
0: of thing. Not for everybody. I mean, I, I, there's a risk here. I'll end up talking about myself and since "I don't swipe. I wouldn't know." But like, yeah. I, would, I would, I would guess. I, I will say, in, 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 I will use my own example. to Say, that, yeah, I, there's a wide range of, of women that I would find attractive, um, and there are particular, you know, if we're talking purely looks, there are particular things I wouldn't necessarily find attractive, um, but. There's a wide range of women I could find attractive. Whereas I think with women, there's a narrower range of men. Am I wrong?
1: Well, yeah, kind of you are. I mean, I think that... If we're just talking looks
0: just talking looks.
1: But but I think that looks matter less for women. Like, I don't think... I honestly think, and this is, you know, there's unfairness on both sides, whatever. But, like, I think a man has way more chance of overcoming not great look being not great looking with personality than a woman does like there are men out there who are not that good looking but they are funny and they're attractive and they're like cleaning up but women aren't able to do that in the same way if you're like uh, uh not a not a particularly attractive woman, but you've got a brilliant, amazing personality, and you're really funny, or whatever. You do not do as well with men as you do if, you, if in the reverse. That's no. a hill. That's a hill I will die
0: on. Uh, there's an argument that says that, but there's a, the, the the flip side of that is that if you are, um, just looking for a one night stand, it's almost certainly easier as a woman, no matter what your look, what, what, no matter what your looks are like. Um, which is okay. Is, is the reverse? Is is the reverse of that? Um. So I, 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 I but I think it's but I, I do think dating apps allow women to discard more men more casually than they would have done in a bar, for example, because they don't give you a chance. If you're a, a man, as you say, if you're a man and you don't necessarily fit the 666 criteria, then you've, you've obviously got something else. You're you're funny, maybe you're very intelligent, you're X, Y and Z, but you can only really show those traits in person, maybe over a half hour of conversation or a 20 minute conversation or telling a good opening joke. A dating app you don't have those opportunities so you get passed yeah. over um yeah. because because they, they look at your kind of like your vital statistics your kind of income bracket whether you're a smoker those things that are, are red lines so so I, I, I think it is I think it is enabling this kind of um it, it's made dating much harder for men which is I mean nobody knew what incels were ten years ago they didn't exist now they do
1: um so but it's I, interesting to think like to come back to the to the thing like that long term like, you know, people, the men and women being so, the the gulf between them widening like that means that men will be looking, like if men are becoming more conservative, they'll be looking for a type of woman that exists less. And women will be looking for a type of man that exists less. So what what's the result of that? The result of that is a lot more single people.
0: Yeah, a lot. Well, I think there's a couple of things. A lot of these people won't stay single forever. They'll eventually cop themselves on, but by then they'll be in their middle 30s or late 30s or whatever. Um, so you're looking at a further increase in the age of marriage and family formation, which is bad for fertility. You're also looking at a rise of people who never pair up, which is bad for happiness and stability and sort of general sort of societal well-being. Um,
1: I yeah, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people who end up being single at 40 and 50 who, who realise that, you know, so, like particularly from those videos I'm watching who realised that a lot of the stuff, the criteria that they were setting themselves were nonsense and they met a lot of really, really nice guys that they passed up.
0: You know, we should say there are some people who are happily single. I know one guy in particular, actually you know him as well, um, who is happily single and delighted to be single at that age and likes his life and doesn't want the complication. And oh,
1: I think I know who you're talking about. And yeah, yeah uh, he, he seems uh, happy to me.
0: And and, and and fair play for that. But uh, there are also a lot of people who kind of like, I think are going to end up unhappily single.
1: Um, but I'm, like the what we're talking about is the people who are standing there saying they want to meet somebody, but they're only interested in people who have a six figure salary who are over six foot and they were this, that and the other. Who are doing no work on themselves and who are setting out this like, you know, list, shopping list of things in the other person. And it's a complete joke for everyone concerned. And, you know, but like the they, well, I don't know what will happen to them. But again, well, it's an interesting it, topic, and we will definitely
0: uh, come back to it because I think it's one of these things. It's happening in society that people just aren't really fully cognizant of yet. Um, but it's 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 happening, and it's you. Know, the consequences are going to unfurl, and and, and you see it by the way. It, it's impacting politics as well because you said you're going to mention some of the countries. I think, for example, in Poland at the last election like something like 30% of young men voted for the most right-wing electable party. Uh, and I think the equivalent figure for women was like 2%. Uh, and a lot of them voted for the most left. It wasn't just like one voting Labour, the other voting Conservative in the UK. It was like one bunch is voting, to use an Irish um, example, for the Irish Freedom Party, and the other lot are voting for people for profit. It, 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 the polarisation politically is becoming incredible it's it's not just minor disagreements it's a fundamentally different view of society
1: and they've also like there's a certain age group that you know uh, uh, go, in fairness it's across all ages but it's particularly you know, I've particularly noticed it in a certain age group that's slightly younger than us and down which is that they've made a kind of a virtue out of just being completely unwilling to listen or talk to people who have different views from you yeah and so that, that you know that they they won't even talk to them like I've seen it with my own eyes at at events particular event i'm not going to get into the details because it'll kind of show who it is but um where people have realized that the person sitting beside them has a certain view on on um, gender trans gender issues and have turned their seat to their back to them for the entire dinner and refused to speak to them again
0: yeah i think you told um, me about that you told me about that um so, and and uh, yeah it's it, it, it's it's definitely happened.
1: so um, yeah, i don't know
0: Anyway, we'll come back to that one. Um, We should mention RTE. You wanted to talk about RTE, didn't you?
1: Well, I loved it. I I lolled. I laughed aloud today, John, because Catherine Martin, Minister Catherine Martin from the Green Party, um, she said today that um, a series of reports into RTE's finances point to a dysfunctionality at the broadcaster. Fair she woke up did someone dig her up from underneath the swimming pool maybe two American teenagers and <laughs> now they're trying to ingratiate her into society <laughs> is that a joke dysfunctionality wakey wakey where have you been for the last year
0: she's, I, only, like, she's only the minister responsible do yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh yeah there's some dysfunctionality there fair play to you fair play to you she earned her salary today didn't she I mean, like, come on, I can't. I'm sorry. I I, I don't mean to personalize it because like I, I, I will be fair and say I hope all of the Green Party get annihilated and wiped out in the next general election. But that's a stupid thing to say and aggravating for people when you're talking about, you know, when conversations are going on about everything from golden handshakes that were given, exit pad- packages that were given to the f- charmer, former chief financial officer and um, that it wasn't even considered and approved by the executive board, the toy show debacle, the, you know, everything that's been happening. And and, and, the, fact all... that, and
0: the fact that Ryan Torbordy earned five thousand five hundred and fifty five thousand euros in 2022. Yeah. As, as we, we learned
1: this week. Exactly. And the fact that that's all underneath the it the umbrella of the of the conversation about the tv licence and how that might be inflicted on us whether you know whether we like it or not um i know they we talked about it last week and they abandoned the idea of putting a tax on the the um broadband bills or whatever but like still that conversation is ongoing and that will be returned in a different right. under a different in a different outfit next month and the month after that like to come out and say you yeah, know it's, it's pretty dysfunctional isn't it is farcical but-
0: there, there's one rule in my house as listeners know and it is the best rule and I, I promise you your mood will improve. If you don't do this, I promise you it will improve your general mood which is that RTE is not allowed on television, it's not allowed on the radio. It, it, is, we, I just, it, it is just never on. Um, for the simple reason that anytime I, I, my parents for example watch it, I, I go and visit them every now and again and I'll sit there and I'll sit through the RTE One news and then into Paris City and then into you know, I don't know Nationwide or something that's on after that. And you just end up depressed, um, because everything is everything is particular, per, painted in a particular light. You know, it's all the the, the subs, even the news is formulaic. You know, there's always the ten-minute sob story. There's always an interview with somebody who's incompetent, but pretending that they're not with the soft interview. I I, I, I can't watch it, but I do every now and again see on social media where they post clips of their news reports and this week they posted a clip of their their news report on the new bottle return program that's happening this week. And Sarah, what? it was an infomercial. Like, it was literally, here's how to return your bottles, here's what a fantastic scheme it is, here are three ram- random members of the public, completely at random, of course, who love the scheme, um, here's, like, why we need to do it for climate change. So, but is, this, is this journalism or is this something that the government has paid you to produce.
1: It's like, it's like, it's kind of like the early days. Remember when they would do like a, a kind of an advertorial within a newspaper and you'd be kind of like, this this doesn't read right. And then you'd realise that it was actually an ad. Yeah. It's kind of like it that. was
0: like. It was like an advertorial. Yeah. Um, and they, they did a similar one, um, Mary O'Regan. I, I have a lot of time for Mary O'Regan. Uh, she's, she's one of the political correspondents there. They did one on the referendums and it was uh, like, it was about the women in the home referendum and I swear they used footage of like women I don't know if the women were literally chained to the sink or not but it was yeah. black and white it was from the 1930s and there were like 17 kids around this poor woman who clearly just did nothing but pop out kids and wash the dishes and it was yeah. it was just like this is what, I, what a, a yes vote would be getting rid of and they're like mm, no
1: yeah although what I will say is like I said last week about the Barbie thing and then uh, and this referendum if you watch that and actually came away from it and you think that that actually that you know woman with the kids and whatever and that is impacted then you're what i'm going to frequently refer back to as you're dumb dumbs who should you know you just you're too stupid you're stupid if you think that you're stupid i'm sorry no you're a stupid person because there's no woman in Ireland right now, who knows anybody who's stayed at home because they because of that piece of the constitution, whose life has been affected in any way by that piece of the constitution. So if you believe that, you would literally swallow a brick and just go for your life. Go watch Barbie. You're a dum-dum. I'm sorry.
0: Well, Fint O'Toole made a valiant effort this week. Fintno Tool made a valiant effort to 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 rescue the not. I, I'm not going to say rescue the campaign because for all I know, this thing's going to pass. Maybe people aren't paying attention. They're just like, yeah, I don't like that language. Women in the home seems a bit outdated. I will vote against it. But there's at present, there's no intellectual case for a yes vote. It's purely a sort of emotive. Maybe the language is outdated. Do no harm to get rid of. It. Like that's the sum, the sum total of the yes campaign. The the, the sensible yes campaign. But Fintno Tool, who needs an intellectual basis for everything, in Bereston, which is not a criticism at all. It's, a good, it's always a good idea to have some kind of thinking underpinning your your beliefs. He decided to rescue the S yes campaign by, by writing a piece basically saying that, of course, this article of the Constitution had negative impacts. Sure, just look at the marriage bar, which was in place until I think about 1977 or 1973, maybe, which said that women had to leave the civil service once they got married. And this was an example of women in the home impacting on real life. But of course...
1: 2023...
0: Well, yeah, first of all, it's 2023, and that doesn't exist, so so if the Constitution required it, uh, why is it gone? And number two, they had a marriage bar in the UK, which doesn't even have a written constitution. In fact, that's where we got it from. It, it, the marriage bar didn't come from the Catholic Church in Ireland. It came from UK law, which we inherited and didn't bother changing until 1973, even though Brits got rid of it earlier. And, and and they also had it in various states in the US during the New Deal, when Franklin Roosevelt wanted to get men back to work. One of the things he did was kick women out of work once they got married. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so like, it, it's just, it, it's so empty. There's no, the, that was Finton given at his best shop and that's all he could come up with, which is an argument that a two year old could respond to by just looking at the facts. So, yeah.
1: I think it will pass, but I think that the momentum is on the now side for both of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, Speaking of which, there is a, a rally this weekend on Saturday for the No side, isn't there?
0: Yes, being organised by the contest. Now, uh, obviously, for the sake of balance, we should say that there are also various Yes campaign events going on around the country. Um if there's one that's a rally, we'll certainly mention it. But I think the contest is organising a vote No march um,
1: on Saturday. You, you could say you could, in the interest, of it, you could say that, but I won't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's on Saturday, starting at the Garden of Re- Remembrance. Um,
0: Are you going? Are you going to dress up as like a
1: I actually can't go because 30s, my, it, it is my husband's birthday the days after that
0: That's hilariously and, patriarchal, uh, you know, you can't go to a women's march because you have to look after your
1: Well, you know, John, it's funny you should mention that because the only reason why I'm not able to go is because ironically of that piece of the constitution is actually blocking me from going, so, yeah. you know, if it was removed, I'd be able to go
0: Yeah, your place is in the home with your husband exactly. on a special day um,
1: by re- by recognizing the contribution I make by staying at home with my children, you have blocked me from going out. Hmm. Um, two o'clock in the garden of re- remembrance. Um, this Saturday. There you go. All
0: right. Let's talk uh, as we move towards the end of our hour. Let's uh, talk about the opinion poll of the weekend because I know, you, in fairness, for those of you who don't know Sarah, she's a wonderful person, but she loves a good opinion poll. No, I, I make love it. a poll.
1: I, what do I you love it. an L poll. Um, I wasn't surprised. I think that I can feel the Sinn Féin uh, momentum or I, the support slipping away. Um, I don't think they've done themselves any favours on the immigration thing. I think they've tried to hide in the weeds on a number of issues and I think that that has meant that they are losing support. And um, in 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 a big way, I think I'm also surprised that they're supporting both of the referendums because I think that was it would have been a little bit more politically savvy to come out and carve out a, you know an identity for themselves on something because I think that um they're they're not and I said before that they feel very tired for people who are supposedly waiting to govern. um yeah, you, I you, you, the show. You,
0: you, you've said that on this show, and uh, Jason O'Mahony, who's a good friend of our both, both of ours, who, who listeners may know or know of, uh, has said the same. They kind of feel like a party in their 15th year of government, even though they've never been in, in one. Yeah. Like, you know, you've just been watching them for so long and listening to them for so long. Like, th- There won't be any real sense of kind of renewal when they get into power. I think, Obviously, if you're a hardcore Sinn Féin voter listening to this and, and the day that they take power is the, the your wildest dream, you're not going to agree with me. But I think for the average voter, I think Sarah's is right. They kind of feel tired and a bit stale.
1: Yeah, and like this, and I like I I you know I think I'm quite fair. Like like there's people in there who I would consider to be quite smart and quite talented, ideologically different from me, but that's totally fine. Um, like Louise um, O'Reilly. O'Reilly, I think she's a good performer. Um, you know, this this they've got like some good people, and I just think the whole thing has become a bit stale and. They're making strategic mistakes on some of the big issues, and I noticed um last Saturday I was out, um, where I went into, um, Bath Avenue, and uh, the Bath Pub, um, beside Lansdowne Road there, and that's where I grew up, and um, one of my closest oldest friends, her parents were having a 40th wedding anniversary drinks kind of thing in what's now called the Bath, but when I was growing up it was called Maurice, and um. It was full of people there originally from Pier Street, and it was full of people that I know because I obviously grew up around there. Um, People from Pier Street, people from Rings End, a lot, a big, big, big mix of people. And uh, like traditionally, I would have gone down, had banter with a lot of those people about Sinn Fein, and there would have been a good number of like comments and, you know, people kind of asked me about different things, and because they would have known that I was traditionally Fiend of All and they'd known my dad and stuff like that. And I really noticed that nobody said anything to me about Sinn Féin whatsoever. That's the first time in a long time that's happened.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that there's a kind of a, it's just weakening weakening support there and they need to do something and they need to do something fast to pull that out. Because if, as some people predict, I've seen a couple of predictions that there was a general, that could be a general election on the same day as the local and European elections. I think that's really, really bad for Sinn Féin. I think that kind of chaos does them no favours. Well, I, I
0: think it's more. It's more. There's another factor here which I think is being underrated, because the Irish Times also had a poll out last week on at the end, which was their their something they called snapshot, which is basically it, 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 all it asks is what are you thinking about right now? What is the most important issue to you right now? And the mm-hmm. top two were immigration, was what twenty three percent of people said. Nineteen percent said housing. Then all the way after that, it was social policies at four percent, crime at four percent, taxes four percent, cost of living three percent. Palestine-Israel conflict, 3%. Climate change, 3%.
1: Crime was only 4%. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah, but I think I think one of the things that happens there is that, that, that like, I, I always say this with immigration and housing, is that those two issues are linked. If you're concerned about immigration, it's because you think it's having an impact on housing.
1: Mm-hmm. And it,
0: it's probably also because you think it's having a, an impact on crime. And I think if you were to take immigration out and redistribute the top priority, it'll be mm-hmm. housing. And crime would get some of it and, you know, maybe taxes would get some. But like, it's, it, it, you're only allowed to pick one issue. So that's, that's why I think. Um,
1: yeah. I also think that people can be, you know, with all with all due respect to our average voter. What they say, the main issue that they're concerned about and the issue that they actually vote on can often be very different.
0: Yeah, exactly. A lot of people for years. People, goes,
1: people will say health service, health service, health service, health service. They, they like you know. It's not. It's, this is my opinion. It shows in the numbers. They don't vote on the health service
0: because most of us are never in a hospital. And I thought We so, all, we, we all will be in a hospital, but most of us, you hear these things about people lying on trolleys for six weeks, but it doesn't affect most of us. It's only when it's only when you, it's your own granny lying on a trolley for six weeks. Yeah, it's
1: lose. like the way people like for for a certain period of some people's lives, the biggest, most pressing issue to them is childcare costs, and then one day it's over and they never think about it again. Yeah, exactly. Certainly um, don't vote on it. But um, back to so, my point, can I just
0: finish my point on Sinn Féin, just to say yeah, yeah. that uh, if you look at those figures, immigration, housing, dominating them, and then look at where the Palestine-Israel conflict is, which is at 3%, now obviously maybe more than 3% care about it than said immigration or housing, but it strikes me, if you listen to Sinn Féin for the last two months, all they're talking about is Gaza, 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 Gaza. And I just don't think the public really care that much. I think it's a very small number of people in the country who are I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll get comments saying I care. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about I'm saying in the broad population, I just don't think it's a massive issue. And yet to listen to Sinn Fein on the far left nothing else. And I
1: think that paints them as a little bit out of touch. I really do. But there's two there's two different it's two different questions, so John. The question is like whether you care about something and whether you walk into a ballot box and say I've done my research and I've found the candidate who absolutely reflects my, my view on that particular issue. And that's the only person I'm voting for because of that. That's in the, like that's a minute amount of voters. Yeah. So like you can care all you like about whatever you want, but like whether or not that translates into how you behave in the ballot box is a completely different question. And like, like, Look, these things are complicated and snapshot, snapshots are, you know, snapshots for a reason. But a poll, there's certain themes in these polls that has been going on for quite a long time, more than a year. And that is that even when, like, if I was speaking from the other, the government party's point of view, is that even when Sinn Féin are losing four percentage points, it's not coming back. No, it's not. So, So, like, if they're all the same, and there's a lot of that kind of. They're all the same. They're all the same. And four percent is being taken out of the the Sinn Fein pot. You know, okay. I think Fianna Fáil went up one, but like, fine. But Fianna Gael was no change. That like that 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 number is going elsewhere, and that should be extremely worrisome to the main parties. Yeah.
0: Look, I I don't think the polls are. I, my take on the polls is that they're not showing how bad things really are for the government parties. Um, yeah i just don't think they are um, my wife orla was talking to somebody uh last weekend who is known to both of us who i would always have put down as being sort of a rock solid government voter retired um retired teacher sort of, in her um early 70s uh, certainly has never cast a vote other than for um Fáil or at general elections not not a partisan of either but like very much a centrist um and she said, this is the worst government we've ever had. The yep. worst government we've ever had. And uh, she was thinking of voting for an independent for the next election. Like, and if they're losing people like that, uh, yeah, I,
1: I, I, yeah I, I would have said rock solid. Uh, but no, voting for yeah. independent. And, the, and, and also people, you know, uh, people have, have often said and have said to me, you know, oh, I don't know who to vote for. But there's starting to be options independent ireland's a new party there's independence you know there is other options yeah there, are, the there are rumors I, doing the right there i love the way the- by the way i love the way by the way that i <laughs> i forgot about labor there for sex, sorry so, uh, well, you have uh, that you have that option just just throwing it out I'll just throw that out in the stoop and see if the cat or, licks it up or at least one more election you have that option um, yeah, yeah. But there are rumours during
0: the rounds um, that Independent Ireland, which is the party led by Michael Collins, uh, the 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 Independent TD for Cork, which has not, I'll be honest, made a massive first impression on me. Um, even though I wish them very well, but but like I I, why, I have do, why, do, why do you
1: say that, John?
0: Well, uh, purely in terms of uh, 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 this is not a not a criticism. Let me finish what I'm saying. When I say they haven't made a massive first impression, is that I really don't get the impression that they've really launched themselves yet. Like it's there, it's in the background. Uh, but I, I'm hearing rumours, Sarah, that they are actually, there are some serious people thinking you're running for them in the European elections. Um I will say no more than that, but that will be very
1: I've heard those rumours also, and I couldn't possibly comment. Oh, God, that's <laughs> actually, said, no, that's starting to sound like it's me. That is starting to sound
0: like it's you. It's not me. I think you'd be great. <laughs> Thanks. Ra- Ra- Ryan I'd
1: rather, I would rather put out a campfire with my face. Uh, that's quite drastic.
0: I think Brussels is bad. It's not quite that bad.
1: I um, do not, Like, I can't imagine anything worse. No, it's not me. If it's not it's
0: you, it's not Mr. Sarah Ryan, is it? He's not thinking of running, throwing his hat in the ring.
1: Like, honestly, he does. Do you know what? If he moved to Brussels, I probably wouldn't notice any difference in the housework. <laughs> but no, he isn't going to Brussels when he has three children and a dental practice now. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we leave um, it there. Some no, but there things. is there is some interesting people who are in like getting involved in that part. And I think there's a lot of work going on. In fairness, behind the scenes, there. there is a huge amount of work involved in setting up a new party. Yeah. That's um, that, that that's
0: all I was saying when I was saying they hadn't made a huge first impression. I didn't say they hadn't made a good first impression. I said they hadn't made a huge first impression. Like I haven't I haven't seen a lot from them as yet. But I, yeah. I'm hearing rumors in the background, which apparently you're hearing as well, and can't comment on. So
1: yeah, and I've I I know. I've gotten to know and know personally a lot of, a good few people who are involved with them like behind the scenes and they're very smart, talented people. So I would be quietly confident that you'll be pleasantly surprised.
0: Okay. Well, we leave it there. It's always good to end on a pleasant surprise. Um, Thanks a million for joining me, Sarah, as ever. Uh, Any final thoughts?
1: No, but it just drank something that went down the wrong way. So I was really hoping you were going to come back to me. (laughs) Well, see. But no, I don't have any final thoughts. I I don't. I am um, I'm looking forward to the next week because um I think that there's a few stories that are rolling along there, like Catherine Martin, you know, who knows what she'll come up with next, John.
0: Well, I'm just looking forward to the bank holiday on Monday, um, to celebrate. Oh, I keep
1: forgetting well, it's the bank holiday. Yes, yeah. to
0: celebrate what the Irish Times referred to today as our saint goddess, uh alcohol brewer. Um advocate for women's choice, um, Bridget. Um, I didn't know one.
1: Or you could just shorten that to Captain
0: Hindsight. Captain Hindsight. Yes, the, the bank holiday for Captain Hindsight is on Monday. Everyone enjoy that. And Sarah and I will be back here next week for another edition of The Week That Really Was. Have a great weekend and thanks a million for listening.